Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Pounding the Table Fantasy Sports Edition. I'm here back with James Alberino at Spread Investor on Twitter. We are super excited to talk through week two of the NFL, talk through some fantasy matchups that we're taking a look at with Jock Market. We'll go through the entire slate here today of week two games. Download Jock Market today and join us. The promo code is pound. You'll get 100% deposit match. And it's absolutely exhilarating. It's really a mix, again, of fantasy sports and the stock market all in one. So welcome back, James. I'm excited. It's Friday. We are, are complete freaks. It's Friday night and we're doing podcasts. So welcome back, man. I love it, man. You know, injury reports come out in the NFL usually around this time. So you get some line movement late afternoon and some games you get a good feel at this time which way it's going to go based on some injury reports and who's in who's out so i'm excited it, it feels a little bit more like the middle of the season than it should be i feel like i'm in in like a couple weeks in more so than the nfl just starting last week yeah well it was, it was such it was like so much anticipation as we talked about last week that it was like holy shit we got another week coming up now it does feel like the there was so much momentum last week so much excitement and then you know, last night's game penalty that kind of changed the outcome. And and we're talking about, of course, the Chiefs versus Chargers here. But you took the Chargers on that one, right? I did. I had the Chargers plus four, so I needed that late touchdown to hit it. Sweating there at the uh, at the at the very end. And it shouldn't have been, man. I mean, if you watch that game in full, the Chargers had a double digit lead. The defensive pass interference in the first half, I thought it was terrible. I thought the interception that got overturned was bad too. There were definitely some fluky calls, but I'll say this. And as I'm saying this, Justin Herbert, 15 minutes ago, he, he's he got a rib injury that might keep him out a couple of weeks. Okay. So knows how it's not real. It's not long term, but it's going to be a little bit of an issue. That said, though, the Chargers defense is legit, man. I, they might be the best. Yeah, they're, they're good. Buffalo, the Bills are right up there with them. But I think the Chargers secondary, the Chargers corners might be even better. With J.C. Jackson and Asante Samuel, I can't wait to see the Chargers defense play the rest of the season. That was one of the worst games I've seen from Patrick Mahomes, especially in the first half. He got it going later on, but there's very few teams. The Broncos a couple of years were able to do it to him where they were able to rush for and get to him. Well, it's and probably Mahomes. similar with Von Miller and, and Khalil Mack. Like they can't exactly. handle that. That was – the Broncos are one of the few teams that could get to Mahomes, and now you have the Chargers. They're going to see them again. I, I can't wait for that game in November. So I know a lot of times a secondary could look better if they have a really good D-line, right? Because there's not a lot of time to throw, so there's less time that they have to go and cover the receivers. So inherently, the, the inverse happens, right? Where the secondary is very good, and they are covering receivers, so it gives the D-line time here. So do you think this is kind of just a situation where you know both the D line and the secondary is good, or the secondary is looking a little bit better because they got Khalil Mack and Bosa breathing down the QB's neck here? No, the front four is obviously really good, but the the secondary is strong. J.C. Jackson, really strong cover. Asante Samuel is really good. Bryce Callahan and Derwin James, his entire career has limited Travis Kelsey. He's a big safety, he's fast. This is one of the most complete defenses I've seen in a couple of years. What week is that they, they rematch up again? The rematch is, is middle of November. I think it's the week before Thanksgiving. So we got a little bit of time, but it means it's going to be more meaningful football at that point. Yeah, no, that would be good. All right, let's run through the slate. We're going to start off here with the Jets at Cleveland Browns. Line is minus six and a half for the Browns. We still got the QB. Watson's still not in there right now. It's going to be kind of a, a boring game. I was looking at the under 40s. You know, that's a, that's, that's a small amount of points, though. I'm not betting this game, but there's a couple of interesting variables that are different from most other games if you are considering bettering this. First off, Cleveland's playing Thursday Night Football next week versus Pittsburgh. So that is always on the coach's mind for the, the game prior when he's thinking about how many snaps he's going to play guys, second half especially. If there is a lead in the game, if it's double digits, he might be quicker to go to the backups to avoid injury or just to rest guys because they only have three days in between this game and the Thursday night football game. 
The Jets are not as bad as they looked last week. Their defense has a lot of pieces. If you just look at their depth chart, they have a ton of pieces in the front seven. And if they gel, they'll be a pretty good defense as the year goes on. Mm. Offense is obviously shaky with Joe Flacco. He's going to have a big challenge going up against Cleveland speed. That's going to be a problem. I, I'm not comfortable betting the Jets, so I'm passing on them, and I'm not comfortable laying the six and a half for the fact that I don't think Cleveland's offense is very explosive and the Thursday night football game versus Pittsburgh division game being on deck. And that under is just too low at 40. I'm margin for error. It opened at 43 and a half. It's down to 39, 39 and a half. I mean, if you were to play a total, you go under or nothing, but – it's a slim margin for error. There's probably going to be some pretty good field position in this game. That's the thing. When it's it's funny when you bet a, a, an under where the total is really low, it means the defenses are both really good. You got to be careful that the field position for the offense isn't going to be close to midfield the whole game and right. decent opportunities to score. Before we jump to the Commanders versus the Lions here. I think that's a, just a key topic to, to think about, right? Is like when you see high overs, like can we expect a lot of passing and receivers and QBs will do better in terms of props or, you know, with jock market. And then in the inverse again here, if it's an under, like should we expect huge games from like Nick Chubb? Does Brees Hall, is Brees Hall going to like finally, you know, make some moves and make a splash here in game two? You know, because we saw James Cook. We talked about this last week. You got one. One carry, fumbled it, and then he got pulled pretty much, more or less, right? And so, Brees had a better game than that, but, you know, there's nothing. He's on my fantasy team. I didn't see anything. Yeah, I think he got like eight points maybe. So, you see a bigger game from him or bounce back for, for Chubb at a good game. Do you think he's going to have a big game here? I don't know, man. Cleveland's front's really tough. If, if the Jets can't do anything in the past game, Cleveland's really going to put the pressure and load up the box and make it tough for the Jets' run game. I feel like we're going to watch – two turtles button heads in this yeah. game. It's going to be ugly football, and I'm not sure how many explosive plays we'll see. All right, let's stop talking about them. I agree. That's probably the least uh, exciting game of the week. Sorry, Browns or Jets fans that are listening here. Leading off with the Jets. <laughs> so the Commanders, they look good. They were surprised a little bit from, from last week. They got Dotson, who's the, the rookie now, obviously, McLaren. And, uh, is it McLaren? I never know how to pronounce his name, by the way. McLaren? McLaurin. McLaurin. And Gibson looked good. So they're going into Lions, which is, I got, you know, they're in the division with the Vikings, but I got to say, like watching their coats, watching the the hype and like the underdog mentality of these guys, it's kind of fun to watch. They do play pretty hard. And this will be an interesting game, I think. You know, at home, Lions minus one and a half is the line. What should we know about this? Like, is there major injuries or concerns? I know last week you were talking about, like, the linebackers were out. There were some concerns in the secondary. So So when Detroit is fully healthy, they have issues with cornerback depth and their linebackers. So they're definitely susceptible to running back passes out of the backfield and, and running backs is being mismatched against slower linebackers. This week, they have some injuries at corner, some injuries on the offensive line. I think Washington's the right side in this game, and I was not high at all on Washington coming into this year, but they're going to have a better offense than people expect. It's not just overreacting to last week. They do have three fast receivers, as you were mentioning. Curtis Samuel's in the mix, too, with Dotson and and McLaurin. McLaurin's really fast. Samuel's really fast. These guys all could create after the catch a lot of yards. The offensive line's pretty good. And defensively, their front four is good. I don't like the back end of their defense. So you could see Detroit move the ball a little bit. But I don't see how Detroit's going to stop Washington very much. And and this, even though I'm not high on the guy, far from it. I bet against him last week. Mm-hmm. Carson Wentz, his prop total, over 240 and a half yards. I think he's going to be throwing a lot. Jock Market, I think he's a good play this week. Detroit, every week should be circled as a team to go against and play prop overs. Interesting. So who do you like on the receiving end of that? I mean, is there is there a specific receiver you think? Uh... Curtis Samuel. I think Curtis Sam- he had a good game last week. Him and Dotson both, you could look. Dotson had that big touchdown at the end. 
I think Wetzel looked both of their ways in this game. They got Chase Young coming back. I think he was out for the four, first four weeks. But then they got that running back who unfortunately got shot. So he was out for, do they have a time frame for when he gets back to? Just started running in drills yesterday, 18 oh. days after he got shot, which was ridiculous. What a, I, I couldn't horse. believe it. <laughs> I've been out longer from Charlie horses. I That's what I'm saying. I got, got, got 20 minutes to get out of bed. <laughs> saying. All right, we got uh, the Buccaneers at the Saints. So we talked about the Saints pretty in depth last week's episode. They came back. That was a pretty wild game. Back and forth, back and forth. Saints were, did they cover? They, I know they won the game. They didn't cover. They just won. Okay. So, so they, they, more money line they won the game. And now they're at home this week. I, I'm seeing minus two and a half Buccaneers at Saints with the over under 44. So my gut, you know, and, and, and maybe I'm biased because I was listening to you and getting high on the, the Saints here. I like the Saints money line at home with Tommy Hurt. I'm not sure how I'm betting this game. The only way I would would be on the Saints side. I think it's going to be really close, closer than some of the other matchups in the past. The thing you got to know coming into this game is is Brady in the regular season with Tampa is 0-4 versus the Saints. The Saints have had success versus him because similar to what the Chargers did to Mahomes last night and how you beat most great quarterbacks, you have to be able to rush four and get pressure on the quarterback without blitzing. So the Saints defensive line's really good. They could get a lot of pressure with leaving their defensive backs in the secondary. The thing I would say to caution people about running to the window for the Saints is the Bucks running game looked really good last week. Even though it's against the Cowboys and the Cowboys aren't a great team, the defense is really good. The defense is really fast, and it's fast on all three levels. And the Buccaneers were able to really run the ball down their throats, consistently move the ball. Now, the Bucs weren't good in the red zone. And if the Bucs played a better offense last week, that would have been a different game. The Saints do have that better offense. And even though they didn't look good in the first half last week versus Atlanta, once they shook off the early season rust, the second half, they dialed up. Really good plays. Winston looked good. No surprise. He's so much better with New Orleans coaching even without Sean Payton, because most of their coaches have been there for years with Sean Payton. Mm. And the Saints have a lot of really good weapons. Michael Thomas back in full form. Chris Olave, first rounder from Ohio State. So it's a really, really good roster. I can't wait to see this game because I think it's going to be really close. Uh, it, it dropped below three because you got Chris Godwin's out. Um it's another big injury for Tampa. Well, Brady was saying he was, I mean, he, he's going to play, obviously, but he, he was getting beat up. And, and who knows, you know, what they tell the media, but he's, you know, he's getting up there in age. So <laughs> I'm sure yeah. I feel good getting hit by these 300 pound guys day in and day out. And Tampa Bay is going to be, on top of all their offensive line injuries, their left tackle now, Donovan Smith, he got hurt last week. He's officially ruled out. Brady's going to get rid of this ball really quick. He's not going to give, the Saints many chances to let their pass rush just get to him. He's not going to sit in the pocket for more than two and a half seconds most times. There's going to be very quick releases. If the total didn't, hadn't dropped, if you were able to get this earlier when it was 47, it was it's a great under. Now it's down to 44. It's a little bit too low. But this is going to be get the ball out of his hands fast, defensive-minded game. I don't think there's much margin for error on either side if you bet this game. I will say the the on-paper measurables add up in the Saints' favor with everything that I just said, and then also the Bucks coming off a road Sunday night football game, which means they get back really late Sunday night. So Monday prep, they're getting back. They're starting it up later, whereas the Saints had more time. They finished earlier. Uh, they didn't have to travel back-to-back on the road. So Tampa's definitely got some disadvantages, but – uh, I wouldn't overly confident, overconfidently, I should say, put money on the Saints this week. Yeah, I, I actually I circled this one of the Saints right away, but I'm I'm probably a sucker. I was listening to you and got real hyped on the, on the Saints last week. Not a sucker bet. Public's all on Tampa Bay, so if you bet the Saints, I think everything's lining. I'm taking. I have Saints money line in a few things. I'm not taking you off. I'm not going to talk you out of it. I definitely won't talk you out of it. And they're a great teaser, like too. Get them up to eight and a half. 
That is, that's interesting. So yeah, what? So obviously the the key numbers being three, seven, six. You know, eight and a half above a touchdown, low scoring game, division game, probably yeah. close in the fourth quarter. Julio Jones. I, I want to just quick touch on. Is, is he back? I thought when I was watching on on red zone for the few plays. I'm pretty sure the latest is he's questionable. The only one ruled out wide receiver is Chris Godwin for the Bucks. I meant more like is is Julio. I mean, he's not going to be. Oh, is he uh, back? Back? Uh, I mean, like, yes. Yeah, figuratively he, speaking, is he? Yeah, back? I mean, comeback player no. of the year. He got that shot here. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't bet on it because the Bucks have so many weapons and the ball is going to be spread out. I don't. The the days of Julio getting close to 1,500 yards or more are done. Oh, and, especially with the offensive line injuries, the game plan that Tampa Bay is going to have is just get the ball out quick. You're not going to see many 40, 50 yard shots down the field. Now we're at the G men. All right. We got the Panthers at the Giants. Giants minus two over under. I'm looking at is 43. Saquon blast from the past. I, I got him in one of my fantasy leagues and he looked fresh, man. So, you know, Obviously, I'm never very excited about the Giants' offense, Daniel Jones at the helm, but Saquon looked pretty good. Carolina's D, you know, I actually like their D. I really like the way the Giants play. Uh, Saquon, if we're talking about someone being back, Saquon's back. He looked really good. He's playing with an attitude. He's finally got an offensive coordinator who has some balls. It's, It's just a completely different vibe with the Giants' culture. This is an unbettable game for me because I think it's too close to call. Yeah, you know the Giants won. They they needed to come back in the second half. They looked shaky in the first half. Yeah, you're gonna get solid coaching from the Giants this year. Something that they haven't had in eight years. Eight eight years. It's ridiculous that a team with that many that big of a Super Bowl run. Are they your squad? By the way, they're my they're they're my team. I was okay. I was at both parades. I was at 08. I was at the parade in 2012. I was living in the city at the time, and I soaked it all in. And then 2014 came, and they got rid of Tom Coughlin because of some egos getting hurt in the front office, and the Giants reap what they sowed. They hired some awful, awful head coaches. It's the a Giants, old coach. The yeah, he's a good guy, but I mean, shit. He was Shermer was bad too. He's a bad. He's good offensive coordinator. Bad head coach, and yeah. the Giants front office has been the equivalent of that corporate America office who just hires old men because they're the safe blue chip who could get the job done, and they have good ideologies. And it's like, dude, you're hiring guys that are so <laughs> not in tune with the current state of the NFL and Joe Judge. It was the yeah, typical example of everything I'm talking about. You buy uh, David Tyree a drink ever? <laughs> would, would I buy him if I knew him and ran into him? Yeah. Pretty sure that guy could get a free drink anywhere in New York he wants. Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd buy him drinks the entire night. New England at the Steelers. TJ Watt. I tweeted out as soon as I saw I got hurt. He, he, he could mouth that. He's like, I tore my packet right away. He knew. Okay. Yep, that sucked. So that sucks for the Steelers because they—they I thought they were kind of a, a team to, that could sneak up on people this year, but obviously with TJ Watt, that defense takes a hit. Uh, Patriots—they—they they played at Miami. They were at Miami last week, right? They were at Miami last week, so this is a back-to-back road game for them. Back-to-back road game. <sighs> this one's tough for me too. I—I I, kind of lean here on the Patriots. No reason why, though. Uh, besides TJ Watt being out, the defense is a little shaken, probably. Love to hear your thoughts, though. This is a, this is so, Pittsburgh's defense still has a lot of pieces, even without TJ Watt. Um, they had six sacks last week. Five of them weren't from Watt. Now, granted, when Watt plays, he, he oh, gets so up. much attention that it opens it up for other guys. But... Alex Highsmith had three sacks. They still have Cam Hayward, who's a beast. Miles Jack. The secondary is really good with Megan Fitzpatrick. Mm. Really interesting variable in this game is Brian Flores is on the defensive side coaching for Pittsburgh. He was on New England staff forever. He was 
in the AFC East for a couple of years after that with the Dolphins. He knows New England very well. I'm very confident that Pittsburgh's defense is going to have a good game this week and against New England's offensive line, an offense which did not play smooth at all. And we had the Dolphins last week, so that was no surprise. New England didn't look good. I think it's a little bit more of the same. It's not going to be easy. That said, New England's defense looked really good, and they made it tough for the Dolphins. I know the score didn't really indicate that, and Tyreek Hill had some big plays, but New England had a good defensive game, and and Miami scored on a, a turnover and that fourth and seven play that that kept the drive going. I think, they, yeah, it was a touchdown after that. One thing that worries me for Pittsburgh, aside, because I'm I'm less worried about T.J. Watt being out honestly than this, is the fact that they do play on Thursday night football. It is a division game, which is a lot more important than this game for them. Yeah. And they're coming off a really emotional overtime game against a division opponent where they played extra snaps. So it's a sandwich between division games, playing extra, a lot of emotion. This is another game. This reminds me of the, the Saints-Bucks game where it's going to be lower scoring, close to the number. I don't see much margin either side. I may end up passing. I really, really want to bet Pittsburgh because there's a lot of things that make me think that Pittsburgh is in a good spot here. Tomlin's awesome as an underdog. Last five at home. Three, They're tough. 14-3-1 against the spread as a home dog. That's for his career. Last five years as an underdog. Home or road, he's 21 and 8 ATS. So this is like a usually for me personally, when I'm in a situation where it's, I, I think it's close to the number, but I'm leaning towards one side. If the numbers make sense, I'll tease it up. Again, this, I, I like teasing up, getting a, a, a defensive dog above a touchdown. What was it? Is it at one or two and a half? I see it. Two and a half. Two and a half. From one. It started off at one. Okay. And a lot of sharp, you're going to hear a lot of sharps on New England, but thing to know, a lot of sharps were on New England last week. They like, they like something about the analytics with New England, and it's less about Bill Belichick than it is. There, there's some uh, sharp money. He's going to be betting New England early a lot this year, and that might be justified as the year goes on, but I, I don't buy it early in the year. I actually would have leaned here on the over 40 and a half. I mean, it's so low that – it might go over, but that's about the same line as the Brown. And maybe I'm just thinking I, poorly, but the Brown, no, we are there's, the same there's, number. It's like there's a couple of games this week where the game flow is very similar. Colts and Jags. So the Jags, we were talking about the Jags and uh, New Orleans quite a bit last week. Yeah, Jags. That was a crazy game too. They ended up not covering. They were not covering for a while, then they came back, looked good, and then they they ended up choking kind of there at the end. Uh, and then another team, Colts. <laughs> that was a that was a fucking wild one versus Texans. That that ended in a tie, but the Colts were down massive the entire game, and, and then they came back here and knocked me out of uh, one of my survivor leagues there. But Colts are minus four here. Over under is at forty seven at the Jaguars. Ah, that's, this is tough for me. I, you know, my heart says Colts, but I, I had to like take a second and, and really think about this one. It's going to sound like I'm repeating myself, but this this is another one where it's it's division game, lower scoring, and there's on paper factors to like the Jaguars, but it's going to be tough to get to the window and bet them. The on paper factors I'm talking about, the Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. They play them every year, division opponent. They lose almost every year to them. Jacksonville Heat in September, although I, I think tomorrow is not going to be too bad. It's going to be low to mid-80s, so it's it's not brutal. Um, 2014 was the last time they won? In yep, 2014, if you remember last year, that's how the Colts got knocked out. Jaguars beat them in uh, Week 17. So there is a little bit of that revenge. You knocked this out of the playoffs, which is part of the reason why I think it's tough to bet Jacksonville in this game. Um the the other thing against Indianapolis is it is a back to back road, so that's does that matter as much early in the season. It, look, here's early in the season it matters less, but here's why I think it is a big deal and why people don't talk about it as much. Like when you hear about a team flying cross country or back to back road, think of 
think of the typical New Yorker who doesn't study much about these games and is just like it just talks off the cuff. Oh, bro, they 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 fly in in really comfortable conditions. They get they they got everything on those planes that they need. Okay, <laughs> but would you rather be in the air flying or on the practice field and or in a meeting room with all your guys? And talking on the planes, these guys are playing cards. They're 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 bullshitting. They're not they're not in a meeting room and and all the way tuned in to you know. So why why I think back to back road in any sport is a big deal is because Indianapolis has to travel back from Houston last week. So instead of sitting home and getting their rest and getting ahead early on prep, they got to fly back to Indianapolis. Now they got to fly from Indianapolis down back to Jacksonville. So. If you're playing a team that's sitting at home while you're flying, it, it is a difference in prep. So it's more mental. Yes. So the the average Joe is yes. The physical toll isn't that big of a deal. It's the preparation. You're literally it's like studying for a test. If two guys are equally smart, one guy studies for ten hours, one guy is only able to study for five or six hours. Yeah. Uh, you got to be a fucking genius to outsmart that guy. Unless you got Adderall, then you're. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, there's a shortage of it of Adderall. So yeah, yeah there is a shortage. There might be go. tough this week. But getting back to the point of this game, this is, uh, and I hate starting off with so many games that I'm that I'm like, ah, oh, this is a tough one, and I'm probably passing. But this is another one that's. It, I think it's going to be close. Jacksonville showed a lot of youth last week. They showed a lot of promise at points. But their offensive line was shaky at points. The secondary was shaky at points. Trevor Lawrence didn't look that good beyond his first and second read. He missed yeah. Travis at the end, like on a. Uh, they would have won the game draft. probably if, if he hits that. Uh, so yeah, Jacksonville. I can't trust them. Uh, it, it's it's a typical textbook spot. Home dog division versus back to back road. Okay, take the points. And sharps are on Jacksonville. It dropped to three from four. Darius Leonard's out for a second week. He Michael, is out. Okay. I don't know. Michael Pittman's out. So Indianapolis at wide receiver. Wait, Pittman's out? Pittman. I'm going to double check. He was doubtful. I'm going to double check to see if he's out. I got him on bad. They're going to check this. I'll miss practice. That would not be good. Yeah. You're right. He's, he's uh, questionable right now. Okay, question. I got to I got to check the late. He had a game though last week. I mean, he he looked really good, and he was like everything I I thought he was going to be. But that's not good if he's getting hurt here early. Yep, yep. So that would that would have been that would be pretty impactful, I think, because then they can just zero in kind of on Taylor, put eight eight people in the box all the time. Yeah, yeah, they will. Yeah, so that that's definitely something to monitor over the weekend. You think uh, Trevor Lawrence bounces back and, and has a better game this week? And Colts D is, you know, probably even a little bit better than last week. Now Colts defense is better than Washington, so that that's why I'm not quick to jump on. Do you have a lean either on the line or the the total here? I would lean Jacksonville, but I don't trust them. I need to see. You know, young teams need to close out a game before you could really trust them on a short line, in my opinion. I don't think the Jaguars are there, there yet. I could see the Colts covering this, even though it's not a great bet. People were pretty high on the Colts and coming out week one and, and pretty much getting blown out by the Texans and then finally coming back to, to tie them. I was pretty surprised. I was, I, you know, I had them in, as one of my survivors and that was uh, not so fun. I'd probably lean, lean Colts here as well. Dolphins, Ravens. This, I think this should be a fun game. This is a minus three and a half for the Ravens and 44 and a half for the over under. Ravens are at home here. Dolphins, you know, I thought they looked good last week. You know, have some explosive players. I got Dolphins straight up winning this game. Talk me off the edge here. I want to bet the Dolphins. I have a couple of concerns with them. They haven't won in Baltimore since the 90s. Now, granted, they don't play there every year, so it's not that big of a deal. It's not like they played there 24 years in a row and are 0-24. But they have struggled every time they've gone to Baltimore. The other thing was as good of a game and as sexy as the highlights looked for Miami last week, and I was on them, so I, I would like to keep riding them if, it's, if they're in good spots. Their run game was really, really not good last. New England really stuffed their run, 
And that's supposed to be one of the Dolphin strengths with Chase Edmonds, with Raheem Mostert. I think they rushed for under three yards of carry combined for the game. It was a lot of the offensive line. I'm not, I don't fully trust Miami's offensive line. Now, Baltimore is going to be down a few cornerbacks, it looks this game. Their secondary has been hit by a couple of injuries. So the second, I think Baltimore is going to blitz the shit out of Miami. I think they're going to put, try to put a lot of pressure on Tua, not give him chances to get the ball down the field and have those big shots. I think the key to this game is going to be turnovers. My lean is Miami. Haven't bet it. Um, just going to be a fast-flying defensive game, which team makes less mistakes. What games do you have circled? Because I feel like we've been uh... – Atlanta. Atlanta, let's get to that. Let's it, jump ahead to one that yeah. like circled early I, on. I, in the week. I bet Atlanta. I bet Atlanta early in the week. I bet it at plus eleven. I gave it out at ten, ten and a half because some books had already dropped from eleven, and I just want to do the right thing and not give a number that's only like twenty percent available. I like Atlanta. Atlanta. Atlanta's going to be competitive this year. What's it at nine now? Or no, sorry, I'm looking eleven. It's, it's at, 11 or ten, ten and a half. 10, 10 pretty much across the board, 10 and a half at win bet, which doesn't take much action. Uh, this was over the summer, which most books take low limits over the summer if you bet in an advanced line, 13 and a half. So wow. professional money has poured in on Atlanta. Atlanta, Mariota, outside of a turnover in the red zone, looked good last week. He was moving the ball, running a ton, always difficult with a good mobile quarterback. And with this offense, Kyle Pitts is 6'6". He was a stud in college. Uh, Drake London was a stud in college, too, a wide receiver, six foot four. They have size mismatches. Yeah. Jalen Ramsey does not shadow a lot of wide receivers in this offense. So they're going to be able to get one of those guys away from him. I mean, they're going to have one of those guys away from him to begin with. I think there's going to be size mismatches down the field in Atlanta's favor. Troy Hill's only 5'11 for the Rams. I was just looking right away after the game one. You know, the guy got embarrassed. I think they're going to come out against a shitty, quote-unquote, shitty team. Any players here that, that might be for jock market that could be interesting in this game or any of the other games we kind of skipped over earlier? Yeah, I, I would look at both of them, Pitts and London. I think... Atlanta's offense is better this year than it was last year. So whatever he put up last year, I don't think is indicative of what he's going to do going forward. And Corderell Patterson, they got a nice run game with him. Arthur Smith, the head coach, was the Titans offensive coordinator for Derrick Henry's prime. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're a well-coached football team. They had a really good game plan versus the Saints. The Saints have a really good run defense and a great defense overall, and Atlanta was just pushing the ball, pushing the ball on them. Um, On the defensive side of the ball, Atlanta's front seven looked really good, especially early in the game versus New Orleans. They sacked Winston four times. In the secondary, they have A.J. Terrell, who's a really good cover corner, and Casey Hayward, who's another good corner. This is... I don't see Atlanta getting blown out. This is I've had this team on my radar for a while because it's one of those teams, again, that they're not sexy in the market. They don't get talked about on NFL Network very much, but that's why they're double-digit dogs, and I think they're going to be competitive. I think the Rams have to find their footing. The Rams have some more offensive line injuries this week. And, and they got exposed kind of as like, I mean, you can't really stop them anyways, even if you know it's coming to cup, but like, it just looked like, you know, kind of how Kirk Cousins does with Jefferson, but like the same thing. He was just eyeing Cup every single play. And, you know, without Beckham, you know, do they get anyone back now this week? Is there is there some receivers? They don't. Van, Van Jefferson, who's their third yeah. wide receiver, is the guy to watch. He's out this week. So it's it's when does he get back? Is he out a few weeks? Week to week. It's it should be in the next couple of weeks. Okay. I pull that one back. I had the Rams, but I think you might have talked me out of that one. It's it's my number one play for the weekend as of right now. I don't th- I don't think any other I don't think any other play on the board. I'm going to have more money on it than I do the Falcons. I think it's a one score game. I think I think everyone's in the revenge. They got embarrassed on national TV, and yeah, but it's hard to do 
You know, I, I think the fact the that this, this, this game, when I first looked at it, Rams was the first one I circled. So I actually now like that even more. <laughs> you know, the fact that I thought I always like try to bet against myself. I'm like, all right, I'm so bad that if I just take the opposite team <laughs> that I want, you know, then I'll, then I'll win here. Seahawks, San Francisco at San Francisco minus nine uh, for the 49ers after Seattle had a, had a pretty good week. So I was actually a little surprised it was, it was nine. I thought it would be closer to like six and a half or seven. Same. But I just, like, I don't know, 49ers, like just Trey, Trey Lance, obviously, you know, there's always hope that he's going to go and explode. But he, I didn't think he looked like that incredible last week to justify nine. But I don't know, maybe you think differently. Well, yeah, the game was in the rain, so he didn't look very good. This Fair. number, this number, it opened close to double digits, so it pretty much stayed there. I don't see how you lay nine, nine and a half comfortably with San Francisco. They're a run first team. Now they're going to look better. And of the two teams, them and, and the Rams, I do think San Francisco is, is a better team right now because I think 49ers have less questions defensively and on the offensive line. But they just lost the Mitchell, right? Yeah. Mitchell's not going to be playing. So yeah. To that point, I don't see how you lay it comfortably. If I'm playing this game at Seattle, I'm leaning Seattle. Seattle looked a lot better than expected. Obviously, you know, they had a good game plan versus Russ, but the defense is fast. They got a better pass rush than I think they're projected. They got a pretty good run game. They still have good receivers. Metcalf and and Lockett are really good. Geno Smith looks so much better than he did five, seven. Yeah, he looked good. I mean, he looked good, that they were fired up at home. You know, they got Russ coming in town. Like, everyone had a little more chip on their shoulder, I think, you know, national television. But, like, he, he didn't look bad. You know, he, he looks like it's finally, like, his team to, like, his first time he's ever walked in as a starter, I think. So He also, he also is carrying himself extremely humble, which... Yeah. Which, if you're betting on them this year, it's good to know because it's like, all right, this guy clearly had some mishaps early in his career. He's matured. He's older. He's probably, I think he's in his 30s now. So he's, he's yeah, passed a lot of the, the early career BS. And yeah, uh, the, the, the risks in this game, if you're betting Seattle, is it is they're coming off a short week and there's a possibility of a hangover having such a big win like that Monday night. But Division game, Pete Carroll being a really good coach. There's only one way to play this game, in my opinion. Even if San Francisco does cover the big number, yeah, you can't you can't say that this is a good bet. You can't. They could win the game by 14, and still, it could be a shaky bet at minus nine and a half. You're laying nine and a half with an unproven quarterback in the division, and and Pete Carroll has had Shanahan's number. I think he it's either six and two or eight and two straight up against Kyle Shanahan in his career. Yeah, I mean, Seahawks didn't look bad. I thought they were going to be the worst team by far. They're going to be pesky. They're going to be they're going to be pesky. Yeah, they're 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 an interesting team. Over unders at forty two. Talk me out of a teaser of uh, plus seventeen and forty nine and a half goes over seven touchdowns. I, mean, I will talk. Like I will talk you out of it because. <laughs> I have teasers are dumb and don't don't tell people to bet them. <laughs> no, teasers aren't dumb. Teasing totals are dumb. Definitely. <laughs> I haven't teased yeah, a total since college. I I, I have uh there's like 13 point teasers, four teams. It looks <laughs> so good on paper every time. And I yeah. think I probably lose 80% of those. So <laughs> not, not worth it at all. Bengals, Cowboys. So Dax out. Obviously, that like derails. It feels like Dallas's season. Although I said that, and then last year Cooper Rush. I think it was last year, two years ago, came in and destroyed my Vikings, which was embarrassing. But uh, is he the backup right now? Still? Yeah, he's the backup, and he's actually pretty good. He could throw the ball. So this is at seven and a half. Bengals obviously favored here at Dallas. What was it before Dak went down? Like in the beginning of the season. Like Dallas was minus one, minus one. I think it popped up to two, two and a half of points, and then shifted all the way to seven. So is, is Dak eight points? Like whatever, seven, eight points? Is he... Closer to ten. Hey, you're right. So wild is Dak ten points? That is even <laughs> that's even crazy. Kind of wild. 
there's two ways you got to look at it. There's one way where you say Dak isn't worth close to 10 points, which I wouldn't disagree with anybody who says that because it's ridiculous to swing him 10 points. The other side of the coin is um, Dallas was a two-and-a-half-point dog, so that's where they were priced with Dak last week versus Tampa Bay, and they got blown out. Wasn't even close. Wasn't competitive. So you can't just automatically look at it as, oh, it's well, Dak's worth 10 points. No, it's Dallas was clearly not priced right. They got their asses kicked last week. They clearly should have been bigger dogs, even if on paper you say, oh, they shouldn't have been five-point dogs. All right, maybe they shouldn't have been five-point dogs on paper, but they weren't even in the game. Second quarter, the game wasn't close. At any point did you think the Cowboys were going to win with Dak? So this game... I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas does cover a seven, seven and a half point line because their defense is really good. And I don't think Burrow is fully back. Now, he lost 20 pounds. He, he gained most of it back, but he had that appendectomy. Yeah. He's not in full. He's not. He mid- started slow last week. I mean, he threw like two picks. Form. So the game plan for Dallas is going to be pressure Burrow, rush him, do whatever you got to do to hit him, test him. Let's see. His arm. Some of his throws didn't even have the full zip that that it had last week. Part of that was the pressure that Pittsburgh was putting on him. I, I don't know if he was stepping into his throws as much in the pocket. But either way, it's not you can't automatically bet the Bengals and it's tough to make a case for Dallas. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would never like feel good necessarily. That's one of those you bet on Dallas thinking that, you know, let's let's bet against the public. I bet you – I don't know if you have the numbers in front of you, but I'd imagine the Bengals are heavy uh, public. Oh, over 90%. But which is interesting because, like, I, I've, you know, just noticed, obviously, markets like the Cowboys and the Packers, I think, have a pretty good following too. Like, is there a, you know, home field advantage just inherently with the amount of fans that Cowboys have? Do they tend to get, like, a half a point, do you think, just based off the – amount of people that love the Cowboys, they just bet on them. So that pushes the number every single week or not at all? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a Cowboys inflation. Now with Cooper Rush, obviously the, right. the pen swings <laughs> the other way with as many people that love America's team. They're going to be panicking and there's no Dak and yada, yada. So it's irrelevant for this game, but it's not a sexy game. And the total's too low to get involved on an under or first half under. Broncos are minus 10 at home. After this is a game I'm looking to bet. Embarrassed. I, I was, I'm looking all over Broncos, but I'm sure you're going to say Texans here because, yeah. Yeah. you know, the Broncos, they look, I mean, everyone's so high on them and maybe going back home, like Russ got into his own head. I don't know. I used to be a Russ fan, but I'm kind of starting to, to fade from him. And, and I think he's a little overrated, but the Texans, I think, are underrated. They they look they were surprising to me. I mean, Colts, I don't think, are bad, and they were able to play with them. So ten points. Thinking of it like that, now it's in Denver. Talk to me why you like the Texans clearly here. I agree with you that the Texans are underrated on both sides of the ball. I think Denver can give them some problems. Um, one area would be in the run game. I think Houston is a little bit vulnerable run defensively. The other thing I'm a little bit worried about is that Houston did play a lot of snaps last week because it was an overtime game. You factor that in with early season conditioning, going to the high altitude of of Denver, it could lead to a little bit of trouble in the fourth quarter. So this might be a better first-half play, but I still think there's a lot of cases to be made to play Houston plus 10. Denver... Denver's coaching staff, and this uh, aside from the revenge against Russell, they are so inexperienced from the head coach to the offensive coordinator to the defensive coordinator. None of them have, have been at those positions professionally before. So this is all their first time. Now you get them on a short week, Monday Night Football. Tuesday and Wednesday, they are flooded with Nathaniel Hackett questions. Why'd you kick the field goal? Why didn't you do that? Why'd you do that? So aside from – you're not talking about the game plan. You're constantly getting asked about this, and rightfully so. It was an awful, awful head coaching decision. But you got you got to cover double digits now against I, – I trust Houston's coaching staff a lot more 
than than Denver's. If you're Ross, you I mean it's game one, so it's like a little ballsy to say "fuck off, coach." I'm I'm going for this. You know, I, I know players have done that, and if you're you know if you have the clout, sometimes you can get away with it. But because I was hearing a lot of people talking about this on different podcasts and hearing different opinions, so. Uh, yeah, he's not going to do that. Look, Russ isn't that guy. He's good. Right. At he's going to play. He's going to be the company guy and and say all the right things. But Rogers what is very, that, I think, here's what's very real. You got fifty three plus guys in a meeting room with Nathaniel Hackett trying to sell him on a game plan for this week. When Nathaniel Hackett has a day and a half less of prepping himself and doing this the first time, there's going to be some doubt that creeps in because you're like, all right, this is the same dude that just elected to kick a 64 yard field goal and blundered the entire late game situation. So I think there's going to be some doubt. They were so choppy with play calling. Granted, it's going to be different at home. It'll be cleaner, but Houston's got a pretty good secondary. Derek Stingley's really good. He'll be lined up against Jerry Judy. Uh, Jalen Petrie at safety is a really good young safety. He'll probably help over the top with Cortland Sutton. I like the matchups for Houston uh, on the edge. Jonathan Greenard's really good, and um, Jerry Hughes is really good. He had an interception last week against Matt Ryan as a defensive end. And right tackle's an area where you can hit Denver. So if Denver's not so run heavy, I think they could get to Russ. Um, they're going to have to just contain Russ scrambling. Marcus I was just going to say, you got Marcus players down. Last week, you named both the Jaguars. You, you were talking about two, I think it was two rookies yeah. talking about defensive. I was like, you're like, you hate when I text you during the games. I know that. <laughs> I was just like, dude, you just called literally both interceptions. You didn't call the interceptions, but we talked about both those players and then two rookies got back-to-back interceptions, which is pretty cool to see. Well, look, at the expense of diminishing, <laughs> diminishing my work and, you know, look, it, it's not coincidence. I I watch coaches' press conferences every week. I listen to what they're saying and a lot of what they're saying, even though they don't reveal their entire game plan and secrets, they leave crumbs. They talk about certain guys. They, they hype up certain guys. They downplay others. And at the end of it, you know, you watch these over and over. At some point, you say, okay, this guy's going to have an impact on this game. This guy, you know. Yeah, there's definitely clues. So a- anything that I say about a certain player or a certain scheme, it's not speculation. Look, it'd be a lot easier for me to be like, yeah, man, like and come off as as playing the wizard role. And yeah, I you know I, I you heard it here first. You heard it here first, Avi. I can't stand when I see that shit on Twitter. It's like you heard it here first. Like that's what? like everything I like, do pretty much. What? I'm joking when I say it. <laughs> Like, brother, you, I, I guarantee you there's a lot of other guys that have your opinion. You're not some wizard. But, yeah, that's it's, it's a lot of my process is going into the game plans. Listen, it's, it's, it's fun. And I think someone, like, that's how I first found you again on Twitter a while back. But people like me go to Twitter and they, they trust the people that will write out why the game is going to be one way or the other, right? If you just say, you know, let's go fucking Yankees and you don't have, like, I like seeing and hearing, you know, the thought process behind it. So even if it's not correct, like you've done your homework, right? Like I feel more confident with you guiding me, you know, than, than just yeah. blindly going in, you know, and, and like, I just hear it. Like there's so many players that are injured. I didn't think about like you're naming all these players that, and I know a lot about sports, I think, but then when I talk to you, it's, it's always interesting because there's defensive players, second string players that I have no idea about. Yeah. Uh, Cardinals at Raiders. Raiders are, I think, five and a half, it looks like. So, favorites, which I, that one, I like the Raiders, and that one actually surprised me. I thought it should have been closer to like minus three, maybe, and 51 and a half for the over under. So, well, I like the Raiders, so I don't want to go against them and take the Cardinals here, but five and a half is a lot, I feel like. This opened up Raiders minus two and a half in the summer. It was minus three and a half before week one. And then immediately Sunday night, Monday, there was heavy, heavy bets coming in on the Raiders because the secondary for Arizona is terrible right now. They've got injuries. The offense wasn't in sync. They still have no DeAndre Hopkins. Rondell Moore is out for this game at wide receiver. 
So this moved and betting it at five and a half feels like a sucker move because I mean, you, you could have got three points better early in the week. What I do like in this game, I got to check the VIG on this. I'm probably going to bet double result halftime, full time on the Raiders, which for those of you listening who don't know what that is, it's for the Raiders to be leading at halftime and to win the game. Double result lead at half win the, the full game. That's going to be closer to like a minus 125. So really, if you like them to win the game, it's really a bet. Yeah. It's really a bet on them f- to be leading at halftime. There's not going to be many people that argue. They don't, and Allegiant Stadium, it's going to be the home opener for the Raiders. That place gets really loud. Even though Vegas is a tourist attraction. You know a lot of the games ever? And uh... I haven't been inside a Legion yet. I've only been to Golden Knights games, which <sighs> to be, I'm gonna I'm probably going to yeah. I'm probably going to that week four Denver Raiders game. But why I bring up the Golden Knights, the fan base in Vegas, because they haven't had a professional team. The locals here are so passionate about the Raiders. It gets so loud. That game last year, the first home game for the Raiders last year was Monday Night Football versus the Ravens. That place was loud, man. It's a combination of the dome, the capacity. and How the- long have you lived in Vegas? You were there before the Raiders, right? I, I got out here March of 2020. I, moved, I came out here the week of covid Two days before everything got shut down. And when did the Raiders come though? Is that they their opening season was that year, 2020, September. Okay. I, I was curious, and, and you might not know since it sounds like you guys started kind of the same time, but like the sense of community. Have you talked with people that have lived yeah. in Vegas and they like now have a team to get you know unify yeah. with? No, a hundred percent. Even though I wasn't here before time, I talked to a lot of locals here and I I, I asked you know, the, the vibe. And I ask questions similar to that. And it, yeah, it's a, it makes a lot of sense because they had nothing to root for before this. Uh-huh. And, and contrary to what a lot of people think, there is a lot of local life outside of just the strip. Vegas has grown in the suburbs so much. Not that people They're like nice there. houses. Yeah. There's really nice houses. I live in, I just moved into Lake. I Los live in a very nice <laughs> It's Lake Lodge area. Summerlin's the area that Summerlin and Henderson are really nice areas out here. But yeah, yeah, the passionate fan base. I think this, even though you'll get a lot of Arizona fans that come, that will drive up for this game. I think it'll be overwhelmingly loud when Murray has the ball in his hands. We should get a Las Vegas as a sponsor. For this podcast, I am definitely going to be tapping into the Vegas network for some sponsorships. You get a lot of a lot of guys that come travel out here for yeah, man. I, I just I mean I wish the Vikings were in that division. I'd go every year. Let's go to we got Chicago versus Packers. So Bears at Packers minus ten. Packers. We made them look silly last week. If Christian Watson catches that ball versus the Vikings. 7-7, seven, seven, the, the vibe changes, you know, completely, I think. But after that drop, it was game over. Like, we, we looked good. They looked bad, I thought. And now the Bears, who played a really sloppy game back you know, versus the 49ers last week in the rain, you were talking about coming in town. <sighs> you can't. I actually like the Bears, but that's just my recency bias because I saw how bad the Packers look, and I think that they'll – catch that nine out of 10 times. And I think another week, you know, practice with them. But I will say Aaron Rodgers looked completely checked out and wants to retire. And he retired for what it's worth. I played a a franchise of Madden this year. He retired in my uh, Madden franchise. (laughs) (laughs) Not sure if that's an indicator of some sort, but probably we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That that looked checked out though. Right. Like that. I mean, that drop, I mean, rightfully so. Right. That drop that drop changed the game from you playing with a lead against a really good offense to now you have to chase points the entire game. So you can't blame him. It was right in, in this yeah. guy's blood basket. And I felt bad for him. I was like, damn, dude. I did. It's funny. Not that the Bears are are good in any stretch, but 
10 points is a lot. I don't know. I think both of these are true. I think the Bears are better than what people think, but I also think the Packers can cover this number because one, Al Lazard's back. I think Bakhtiari and Jenkins are going to be back on the offensive line, so Rodgers is going to have much more time. I don't like laying 10, but I, I think Packers can cover this because they're not going to be playing from behind. Rodgers will find his mismatches. and Packers' D is good. Like Packers' defense is very good, and, and Packers offensively are going to be healthy this week. All right. I like, uh, I'll take my Bears, by the way, as well. This is a good thing. I, I, I bet you I'll start winning a lot more because I usually suck. Uh, Titans uh, at Bills. Bills, another 10. There's a lot of 10 spots this week. Uh, over-unders at 49. Any lean on this one? I'm not betting this game. I'm not. It, I will say the Titans are a very good team to be getting 10 points, but uh, good defense, good pass. 49 bro. seems high kind of here, no? I'd lean under, just gut feel, but that probably means to take the over then. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a over thing. I don't have a great feel for this game, to be honest. All right, let's skip it then, because I want to spend a few minutes on on the Vikings Eagles. So Eagles at home. I may go to that game. That would be the the only stadium I will not uh probably rock a jersey to. Uh a little scared of that. That I've heard uh they like chuck batteries at you and shit, so I'm too old for that. But if I do go, I probably end up will wearing a jersey. And I am a Vikings fan, but Eagles minus two would kind of be my lean. I can't do that, of course, but I don't know. I think the Eagles look really good. The Vi- you know what? Fuck it. I think the Vikings, actually. I'm going Vikings. <laughs> Just that's, like that. That's my decision-making process. Just back and forth based off, Fuck like, it scenarios in my head of what could happen and i'm going vikings now <laughs> so give us some actual data and then some- i don't have a bet on this game but someone i work with who i respect a lot especially in the nfl who was on the seahawks last week steelers and texans as his three best bets so he swept that he's on the eagles as one of his top plays this week I don't want to go against the – I am very high on the Vikings this year. I told you that last week. I liked the Vikings last week against the Packers. So I'm not looking – I hate betting against – I hate betting a game where I'm high on both teams because now I'm being forced to make it this year. Yeah, that's, I'm in the same spot here. Kirk's kind of been able to shed this like he – had, he had like the Madden curse for primetime games. He, he was horrible on primetime games. He won that huge playoff game, which I was at in New Orleans. And he he's uh I don't know if he's shaking it enough. So like that I don't love that it's a primetime game with Kirk. We do get Lewis uh scene, a first look at Lewis scene, which I'm fucking hyped about. That dude can hit. So it'll be it'll be, it's gonna be a wild game, but you won't go either direction on this one. I will over under. I will mean Eagles because of Kirk Cousins prime time history but I, I think he i think he's past the worst of it yeah we got jay Jettas, dude jefferson's gonna go off for like two touchdowns 180 probably I I can't bet against this offense man i, I really just like this didn't even do anything last week we, you know and, and irv smith did nothing last week i could see that going over to two two offenses that want to throw the ball i'm not going to be betting many unders that involve either of these two teams the entire season i'll tell you that Oh, man. All right, I'm going Vikings. Any player props you like at all? Carson Wentz, over 240 and a half yards. Back to what we were talking about, the the Lions defense having a lot of holes. Mariota, over 31 and a half rushing yards. He had 72 last week. I think he ran twelve, either 12 or 10 times last week. He's fast as hell, man. It's going to be a big part of the offense. Where are you going to college again? Or Damian Pierce over 42 and a half rushing yards. Houston has said this week they want to get him more involved. I think they will. And Denver is susceptible against the run. And the only way that Houston's going to have a chance to win this game is if they run the ball successfully and try to keep it away from Russell Wilson. So I expect Pierce to get the rock a, a decent amount. I'm going Devonta Smith against my Vikings. I think he's going to get two touchdowns and. 86 yards exactly so 
That does it. This is cool, man. Week two. This is fun. Shout out again to Jock Market, half stock market, half fantasy sports. It's actually a boatload of fun. So come play promo code pound and that will get you a hundred percent deposit match. So join us again here. This is fun though, James, and uh, enjoy your dinner. I will do the same and, and have a good weekend, man. Yeah, man. Good stuff. And let's go Falcons. Let's go Vikes. All right, All right, buddy. See you, brother. Bye.